Welcome to the Quartering Podcast for Friday, the 9th of December. First up, Elon Musk drops monster bombshell on Twitter, shadow banning. They are busted. Jack lied under oath. Uh, we've got part two of the Twitter files last night, including some new revelations. I've probably got four or five different videos today on a variety of topics. So if you haven't yet, make sure you click that red subscribe button down below. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now, part one of the Twitter files, we found out that, of course, there was some shenanigans, some suppression of the president's son's computer story. And in part 1.5 in the supplemental, we found out that there were still agents inside of Twitter pre-scrubbing files. In fact, a former FBI general counsel and uh, then Twitter general counsel was in charge of letting us know if the FBI was involved in anything uh, nefarious. We investigated ourselves and found we broke no laws. Then, in part two last night, we've got some absolute bombshells, including receipts and more information implicating just about everybody at Twitter. The Jack redemption arc is over. Now, I never supported him. I never thought he was anything but uh, a terrible, terrible man, uh, simply because he is. Let's do a quick review of the thread. Last night, Barry Weiss's Twitter thread focused mo ma ma mainly on um, about blacklisting, something that Jack denied in front of Congress, something that Twitter denied publicly in several blog posts, but I digress. A new Twitter files investigation reveals that the team of Twitter employees built blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending, and actively limited the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics all in secret without informing the users. Now, many people said, well, no kidding, right? Because my viewers are enlightened, beautiful, intelligent individuals who are not surprised to hear this. But you must understand that now we have lay receipts, which are pretty important. In part two, Twitter had a mission, had a mission to give everyone the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. Along the way, barriers nonetheless were erected and immediately into the receipts. Take, for example, Stanford's Dr. J. B., who argued that coup lockdowns would harm kids. Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist, which prevented his tweets from trending. Gaslighting, right? No matter how many likes or retweets or whatever somebody would get, it would be deboosted. And this is somebody who had zero strikes on their account and was a medical doctor. Or consider popular right-wing talk show host Dan Bongino, who at one point was slapped with a search blacklist. You see his account, notifications spike. These yellow things are, I think, um, like negative suppression things, color-coded. So it is notification spike. I'm not sure what that is, but also search blacklist. Five, Twitter set up, set the account of conservative activist Charlie Kirk to do not amplify. So they had a recent strike. They had notification spike. Again, I don't know. She doesn't say what that is. And do not amplify. These, this in two screenshots, both with Dan Bongino and with Charlie Kirk, prove that internal Twitter employees were manually suppressing conservative voices who did not break rules this person had a strike count of zero charlie kirk strike count zero dan bongino strike count zero these are people that did not break any rules but were nonetheless suppressed anyway 
Twitter denied that it did such things. In 2018, Twitter's Vijaya Gotti, the head of legal policy and trust, and Kayvon Bekpur, head of product, said, quote, we do not shadow ban. They added, and we certainly do not shadow ban based on political viewpoints or ideology. We now know that, as Mori Povich would say, that was a lie. Seven, what many people call shadow banning, banning Twitter executives' employees called visibility filtering, or VF, multiple high-level sources confirm. So they're going to say, well, yeah, we didn't shadow ban because we visibility banned or filtered. It's the same thing. It's literally the exact same thing, just a different name. So they think that they're going to go and say that, hey, Jack lied before Congress, but he was telling the truth because he said, they said shadow banning, but we don't call it that. We call it visibility filtering. VF refers to Twitter's control over user visibility. If used, it used to block searches of individual users, to limit the scope of a particular tweet's discoverability, to block select users' posts from ever appearing on the trending page, and from the inclusion of simple hashtag searches all without the user's knowledge. Essentially, people thought they were taking crazy pills because they're like, well, I, you know, I can't, under, I don't understand. Uh, why, you know, am I crazy? Nobody agrees with me. Well, we were all siloed. I guarantee my account is also on this list. We control visibility quite a bit. This is a quote. And we control the amplification of your content quite a bit. And normal people do not know how much we do. One Twitter engineer told us. Two additional Twitter employees also confirmed this. The group that decided whether to limit the reach of certain users was the Strategic Response Team, Global Escalation Team, or the SRTGET. It often handled up to 200 users a day. But there existed a level even beyond official ticketing. Beyond the rank and file moderators, following the policy, company's policy on paper, there was the Site Integrity Policy, Policy Escalation Support, known as SIP. <laughs> this group, this secret group, included head of legal policy, Trust Vajaya Gotti, global head of trust and safety, Yol Roth, subsequent CEOs, Jack Dorsey and Parag Argawal, and others. Okay, this number 15 tweet, extra value mill number 15, this is what you talk about, what you refer to as the smoking gun. This is saying Jack Dorsey absolutely knew that these shenanigans were going on and he pretended and people pretended like he didn't, but he absolutely did. One of the accounts that rose to the level of scrutiny was Libs of TikTok, an account that was on the trends blacklist and was designated as do not take action on user without consulting SIP Pez. Meaning, hey, nobody touched this account. They had it on the trends blacklist. They had a strike, allegedly. They had notification spike. They were literally, I don't know how many people in there with giant salaries were literally obsessed with what the libs of TikTok would post. Now, people are saying, oh, Twitter employees had access to our direct messages. They see the link to direct messages. I don't know why you would think they didn't. Um, I don't agree that they should, but that's like saying somebody at Gmail can see. What do you mean someone at Gmail can see my emails? Of course, Twitter employees can see your DMs. Were you nuts? Did you think that wasn't the case? I don't understand that. Anyway, the account which was uh, which lives at TikTok began in November 2020 and now boasts over 1.4 million followers was subjected to six different suspensions in 2022 alone. Each time she was blocked for posting as long as a week. 
Twitter repeatedly informed the account owner that she had been suspended for, quote, violating Twitter's policy against, quote, hateful conduct. And here's where it gets good. But in an internal SIP Pez uh, memo from October 2022, after her seventh suspension, the committee acknowledged that Libs of TikTok has not directly engaged in any behavior violative of the hateful conduct policy in writing. Again, what does this mean? That means that this group of people, which included Jack Dorsey, Parag Argawal, Bajaya Gadi, and Yoel Roth, would ban accounts just because they wanted to, not because they had broken any of the site's policies. The committee justified her suspensions internally by claiming her posts encouraged online harassment of, quote, hospitals and medical providers by insinuating that gender-affirming healthcare is equivalent to being mean to kids. Uh, chi- compare this to what happened when Libs of TikTok herself was doxxed on November 21st, 2022. A photo of her home with her address was posted in a tweet that garnered more than 10,000 likes. When she told Twitter that her address had been disseminated, she says Twitter support responded with the message, reviewed the report content, and did not find it to be in violation of Twitter rules. Not only was no action taken, the doxing tweet is still up to this day. So it seems like Twitter employees wanted something bad to happen to her, didn't it? In internal Slack messages, Twitter employees spoke of using technicalities to restrict the visibility of tweets on subjects. Here's Yul Roth, Twitter's global head of trust and safety, in a direct message to an early colleague. A lot of times, SI has used technicality spam enforcements as a way to solve a problem created by safety under-enforcing their policies, which again, isn't a problem per se, but it keeps us from addressing the root cause of the issue, which is that our safety policies need some attention. Again, this is doublespeak in saying that, well, they didn't actually break any rules, but we banned them anyway. Six days later, in a direct message with the employee on health misinformation, privacy, and identity research team, Roth requested more research to support expanding, quote, non-removal policy interventions like disabling engagements and de-amplifying visibility filtering, meaning I need more power even though this stuff doesn't break our, even though this stuff doesn't break our rules, I still want to be able to, to pin down who I want to pin down. On the flip side of this, one wonders who they amplified artificially. Roth wrote the hypothesis underlying much of the information and exposure directly causes harm. We should use remediations that reduce exposure and limiting the spread of this content is a good way to do that. We got Jack, now again, again, we got Jack on board with this, implementing this for civic integrity in the near-term election stuff. But we're going to need um, to make more of a robust case to get this into our repertoire for policy remediations, especially for other policy domains. Meaning Jack Dorsey knew Exactly, exactly what was going on. He was convinced of it. It seems like his employees were, were uh, like just running, running roughshod over him. Barry then continues, the authors have brought in expanding access to Twitter files. The only condition we agreed to is the material will first be published on Twitter. Um, and we're just getting started on our reporting. Documents cannot tell the whole story here. And Matt Taibbi is going to have the next installment. Again, we see uh, uh, one of the biggest loser grifters on the internet uh, asking, here's a question for Elon and Barry Weiss. Were there any political candidates in the U.S. or elsewhere that were subject to shadow banning while they were running for office? Elon Musk responds, yes. This is outright election interference. Now, of course, the left-wing media is whining about uh, reporters having access to the data. I don't care about that. 
Not one bit. Like, I have zero concern that Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi have access to my DMs because it's for the greater good of exposing the truth. Liberals fume as Elon Musk gives independent journalist Barry Weiss unprecedented access to Twitter for files, too. Again, don't care. Why are you DMing anything you don't want anyone to see anyway? Are you, are you that dumb? Like, are you really, you really thought that, that Twitter employees up until now weren't reading your DMs? Child, please. Of course they are. Of course they are. And next up today, Elon Musk busts Jack Dorsey in huge lie. Election meddling confirmed by Twitter as lawsuits loom. What? Wait, are you telling me that Jack Dorsey didn't have a redemption arc? Are you telling me that Jack Dorsey lied to our faces nonstop? Are you telling me that Jack Dorsey went to Capitol Hill and lied under oath? I, for one, am shocked. Shocked, I say. Are you shocked? You better be shocked. If you aren't shocked, you're about to get shocked. Shockingly. Hey, make sure you leave a like on this video. And if you haven't yet already, uh, please, if you haven't yet already, please do subscribe. Very interesting story, including some old serve, old clips resurfacing, old tweets resurfacing for old Jackie Poo. Now let's, let's go back to an old clip, an oldie, but a goodie. Jack Dorsey denied what we knew was true. Twitter was rigged to censor conservatives. Mr. Dorsey, welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, I want to read a few quotes about Twitter's practices, and I just want you to tell me if they're true or not. Uh, social media is being rigged to censor conservatives. Is that true of Twitter? No. I don't know what Twitter is up to. It sure looks like to me that they're censoring people, and they ought to stop it. Uh, are you censoring people? No. Twitter shadow banning prominent Republicans. It's bad. Is that true? No. So these were statements, Mr. Dor Interesting. On Capitol Hill, under oath, Jack Dorsey lying. Also, some old screenshots resurfacing. Dave Rubin asked Jack, do you shadow ban based on political beliefs? A simple yes or no will do. Jack Dorsey says no. Of course, we know now that they absolutely did and that there are multiple prominent conservative accounts that were de-boosted and shadow banned and visibility filtered, as they called it, and we have the receipts to prove it. Now, Jack also, in back in July 26, 2018, wrote this. A short thread addressing some issues folks are encountering as a result of our conversational health work, specifically the perception of, quote, shadow banning based on content or ideology. It suffices to say we have a lot more work to do to earn people's trust in how we work. Now, this was Kayvon Beckpour. You'll, re you'll recognize those names from the Twitter files from last night saying, to be clear, our behavioral ranking doesn't make adjustments based on political views or the substance of tweets. No, it doesn't actually. See, that's the loophole. It doesn't. It, their algorithm doesn't automatically do that. And that's what they're saying. But see, you've got to read everything these snakes say a couple of times to really see it's not what they're saying. It's what they're not saying. 
We now know, according to the Twitter files leaks part two last night, that yes, their algorithm did not pick people's political leanings and de-boost or, or uh, de-rank them based on that. They had literal coffee clubs at Twitter that were looking at more than 200 accounts a day and manually doing it. And then on top of that, in the SEPPIS uh, group, which included Vijaya Gotti, Jack Dorsey, uh, um, new former CEO, um, uh, Parag Argawal, they would also meet and, and de-boost, de-rank accounts even that did not have procedural violations or no terms of service violations. He continues, following up on this with a lot more detail, we don't shadow ban. Yes, you do. We now know for a fact that you do. You called it a visibility filter, but it's the exact same thing. It's functionally the exact same thing. It's like, oh, I don't, um, it's, uh, I don't, uh, I don't speed walk. I just walk fast. Like, I guess technically that's probably not a good example. Not a good one on the fly, but you get what I'm saying. And we certainly don't. So first of all, that's a lie. Maury Povich. That was a lie. And we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints. That also is a lie. And we now know that to be a fact. We do rank tweets by default to make Twitter more immediately relevant, which can be turned off. That's just talking about arranging your timeline on your homepage. More on ranking signals. Uh, you see a lot of, I'm in here, your pants are on fire. Um, now people are saying before you accuse him of lying, you have to consider that this was done completely behind his back. I don't care. You're the CEO. The buck stops with you. All right. And also, we know that he was in the meetings, sat with the SEPPIS group, and deranked, deboosted accounts based on the whims of Vijaya Gotti. Tim Young. Oh, see, it wasn't shadow banning because they called it visibility filtering, even though it was literally the exact same thing. U.S. Minister of Truth with the whoops. I mean, everyone coming in here, hey, can we get a follow-up on this one, Chief? Um, you know, and they talk about, we'd love to open up how our ranking algorithms make decisions. We're thinking about that. Again, what he's saying here may be technically correct, that their algorithm doesn't do it. But what they had is a coffee clutch group of losers that would sit behind the scenes and try to ruin people's livelihoods and businesses. We also know, according to Elon Musk today, that they absolutely de-boosted political candidates. I'm talking, you're talking about like legitimate liability here for lawsuits now. I know that a lot of people are black-pilled and they think, oh, well, nothing's going to happen, so why does it matter? I understand why you feel that way, but something is happening. You're watching this video. You're telling people about it. People are finding out that, yes, my account was suspended. My account was artificially deranked. All the gaslighting is getting reversed. I mean, you have a guy here, like here, Elon Musk says controversial decisions that Twitter often made without Jack Dorsey's approval. I think Elon's just trying to do a brother a solid here. I think he's just trying to look out for Jack Dorsey because he seems to like him. But again, does not matter. If it was happening without his knowledge, that is a leadership failure. 
It is not an excuse of culpability. You're the CEO of the company. Doesn't matter. It's his job to know. And also Musk doesn't know for a fact. See, the thing is like the inmates were running the system. People say, but I mean, just to be in all fairness to Elon here, he doesn't know that Jack didn't know. He's just trying to be a bro. We know based on these leaks that he absolutely was in the loop with these little coffee clutch groups. And again, Twitter files flashback. Jack Dorsey testified under oath that Twitter does not censor or shadow ban conservatives. Reporter Barry Weiss revealed Twitter reportedly put conservatives on blacklists. I want to, we went through the actual clip. During the same hearing, then Representative Joe Barton, Barton, sorry, Republican from Texas, grilled Dorsey over his past claim that Democratic politicians too were affected by shadow banning. When asked if he could identify which Democrats were affected, Dorsey refused to say, claiming that it was for protecting their privacy. Can you personally vouch for the statement that this statement is true, that there are Democrat politicians who, when you did the auto search, didn't show up? Barton said, yes, Dorsey said. When pressed what percentage of accounts affected were Democrats versus Republicans, Dorsey dodged from giving specifics, but told Barton that the results were not impartial. Do you discriminate more in philosophy like anti-conservative versus pro-liberal? Barton asked, no, our policies and our algorithms do not take into consider any affiliation, philosophy, or viewpoint. You're right. They don't. You do. You sat in a room and decided which accounts were allowed to flourish on your platform and which ones had to be search banned, banned from trending, banned from hashtag searches. You did that. It wasn't. It's far worse than an algorithm. You're literally pushing your fingers on the scale during election time of we of what we now know were politicians in addition to private citizens. And whatever backwards explanation that Jack Dorsey may have for this, I don't think it's going to save him. You know, I don't think it's going to save them because, you know, Republican lawmakers are going to look at this and they're going to be watching very closely in this next election run-up. How much of this was happening during the midterms? I don't know. It's, it's unlikely that Elon Musk could have unwound all this stuff before the midterms. So how many midterm candidates were under being shadow banned, having their message uh, deboosted, having their First Amendment infringed by a supposed platform? Of course, Twitter isn't acting like a platform. It's acting like a publisher. By allowing, by picking and choosing what the American people and people around the world are allowed to see. That is not being a platform. That is being a publisher. And thus, Twitter forfeits their Section 230 protection, in my opinion. There are still people out there with personal culpability, namely Jack Dorsey, Vijaya Gotti, Yoel Roth. These people are acting with their own agenda, silencing Americans and people all around the world. And next up today, ex-CIA and FBI Twitter staff are busted by Elon Musk Twitter files. Andy No catches him scrubbing files. Just, you know, dissecting all of the information we got last night. And uh, I'm really glad that so many of you, I think we were about 10,000 people uh, on yesterday's live stream. I predict we will also be live streaming this afternoon again, as it looks like T Matt Taibbi may have some Twitter files to share today. Thank you. If you if you haven't yet, just click that red subscribe button down below and you make sure your notifications are on so that 
uh, you get notified when we go live later. Or follow me on Locals, the quartering.locals.com. I always send out a notification from that. Now, uh, Andy No, uh, if you're not following him on Twitter, it's Mr. Andy No, NGO, revealed some very, very interesting stuff about some former intelligence people who not only worked at Twitter, which is less surprising, but moments after Andy tweeted out that this person worked there, they suddenly deleted their LinkedIn profile. Not exactly the way you would think somebody who is above board would act. Then this person's boss chimed in and and tried to do damage control. Like it's so crazy. It's like we're in a movie. Exclusive. Barry doesn't name too many names, but the head of Twitter's strategic response team when secret actions were taken to stifle conservative accounts happened under someone named Jeff Carlton, who worked for both the CIA and the FBI. He just deleted his LinkedIn, but I have an archive. Here you have Jeff C. That's normal on, on uh, by the way, that's totally normal on LinkedIn to not have your actual uh, last name. That, that, that doesn't look weird at all. You see senior manager at Twitter, Marine veteran, um, you know, former intelligence officer, transitioned to managing high-profile content moderation and customer support escalations in social media trust and safety, head of Twitter's strategic response team. Isn't that interesting? You see the group, this goes back to point 12 that Barry released. The group that decided whether to limit the reach of certain users was called the strategic response team. This former CIA and FBI guy was the head of that department, according to his LinkedIn, a fact that he deleted when it was exposed. Why would somebody do that, do you think? Just, a, just you know, why do you think someone might do that? Think they're hiding something? Now, we, of course, know there's more to this, but of course we know, you know, Twitter, there's this article from, you know, this summer, Twitter is hiring an alarming number of FBI agents. San Francisco, Twitter has been in a recruitment drive of late, hiring a host of former feds and spies. Studying a number of employment and recruitment websites, Mint Press has ascertained that the social media giant in recent years recruited dozens of individuals from national security state to work in the fields of security, trust, and safety. Now, if you've seen some of our intelligence community, you know that it seems to have one side of the political aisle that it favored. You know, I'm just a sweet summer Midwestern child. I really had no idea. Like, that. I mean, I'm just being honest because, you know, I'm always honest with you all. Like, remember when, like, James Comey, I mean, I knew that, you know, people said things about the CIA being naughty and stuff like that. Like, it was weird to see IRL where, like, James Comey was, like, you know, openly politically aligned. You know, you think, aren't you supposed to be working for the American people, not, like, suffering from Trump derangement syndrome? Uh, But, like, that was a real eye-opener for me. And it's okay if, you you know, people might make fun of me for being a rube or whatever, but I'm just being honest. Chief among these is Federal Bureau of Investigations. The FBI is generally known for its domestic security and intelligence force. However, it has recently expanded to remit into cyberspace. The FBI's investigative authority is the broadcast of all federal law enforcement agencies. 
Back in 2019, Dawn Burton, the former director of Washington operations for Lockheed Martin, was poached from her job as a senior innovation advisor, that's a fake title, to the director at the FBI to become senior director of strategy and operations legal public policy of trust and safety at Twitter. The following year, Karen Walsh went straight from 21 years at the Bureau to become the Director of Corporate Resilience at the Silicon Valley. These titles sound made up. It's like they just, oh, you work for the FBI, you have, you have intelligence information, we'll just make up a title for you. Now, obviously, I, I can't know that for a fact, but it, they just sound that way in my ear, you know? Twitter's Deputy General Counsel and Vice President, former Jim Baker also spent four years at the FBI and is at Twitter. Meanwhile, Mark Jarowski ended his 21-year posting as a supervisory special agent in the Bay Area to take up a position, you guessed it, at Twitter. Rising to become Director of Corporate Security and Risk, Douglas Turner spent 14 years as senior special agent and SWAT team leader before being recruited to serve in Twitter's corporate and executive security services. Well, that actually makes sense. Previously, Turner had also spent seven years as Secret Service Special Agent with the Department of Homeland Security. When asked for comment by Mint Press, former FBI agent and whistleblower Colleen Rowley said that she was not surprised at all to see FBI agents now working for the very tech companies the agency polices, stating that there now exists a revolving door between the FBI and areas they are trying to regulate. This created a serious conflict of interest in her mind as many agents have one eye on post-retirement jobs. The truth is that at the FBI, 50% of all normal conversations that people had were about how you're going to make money after retirement. Seems like we should probably pay our FBI agents a little more money. Just keep them in the job instead of going to work for social media. So Andy Knows thread continues. Head of Twitter's strategic response team, Jeff Carlton, who worked for the CIA and FBI, deleted his LinkedIn quickly in response to the Twitter files. Before deleting, he changed his name to an alias to make him harder to find. But I have an archive. Jeff Carlton worked for both the CIA and FBI, authored dozens of official reports, some of which were read by President Barack Obama, the ex-intelligence operative who was part of Twitter team behind secret efforts to stifle conservatives. In May 2021, Jeff Carlton left official service to become a senior program manager at Twitter, responsible for dealing with the company's, quote, highest profile trust and safety escalations. Interesting stuff, isn't it? Pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? Clarification, Jeff Carlton became the head of Twitter's strategic response team in November 2022, a role he inherited after working with the team since May of 2021, according to his newly deleted LinkedIn. And here's where things get a little interesting. <laughs> he, he's not ex-intelligence, he's current intelligence. That's what a lot of people are saying. Like, you know, this is excellent reporting by Annie No, and it gets even spicier. In the thread, there is a report that, hold on, there is, uh, well, I hope they didn't delete their tweet. I took a screenshot though. 
Oh, God, why do I have to see that person's picture all the time? There is somebody here. This man currently heads his team and was involved with it under different since May 2021. We got that one. I want, oh, here. Here, this Ella Irwin person chimes in. This is actually false. I would recommend checking information like this before posting. Jeff stepped into his role as a part of Twitter 2.0. To which Andy replies, do you have a connection to ex-CIA and FBI intelligence operative Jeff Carlton or Twitter? The LinkedIn profile he has tried to scrub says he's been doing work for Twitter strategic response team since May of 2021. She replies, yes, Jeff works for me, which is why I can correct this information. He's been at Twitter since 2021, but working in a different role. He's recently stepped into his new role as part of Twitter 2.0 and has been integral in helping us drive transparency and fairness. If he's integral to driving transparency, why did he switch his LinkedIn name to an alias as Barry Weiss detailed his team's role in the suppression of conservatives and then deleted his account altogether so no one could see his work history on the strategic response team? And next up, Elon Musk just proved Vijaya Gadi used Twitter for election interference and much more. Time for jail. Whoa, somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. I'm, I'm just, I, I think I'm going, I'm suffering from a little delirium. Uh, all these live streams, all this shilling coffee, all this craziness uh, has, has uh, been wild, but... Vijaya Gotti, most of us met her for the first time on the Joe Rogan experience and immediately knew that, well, I can't say what I really want to say. She is a, an exceedingly dry woman, I will say. And I'm not saying her sense of humor, but the, the actual facts that have now come out have exposed her, in my opinion, to some level of personal culpability here and perhaps some lawsuits because we now know she was taking part in these little behind the scenes uh, uh, um, targeted bannings of people like Dan Bongino and Charlie Kirk and um, certain medical doctors and things of that nature. And I suspect there would be a very large list of people uh, down the line here that she had put her fingers on the scale for Jaya Gotti and company were running the asylum. Controversial decisions made without Jack's nod, Elon Musk after Twitter files too. Now I wanna to go to this original article here from the New York Post, who is Vijaya Gotti, the Twitter executive involved in censoring the Post's story. Twitter's top, former top lawyer, Vijaya Gotti was singled out in an explosive Twitter thread on Friday by independent journalist Matt Taibbi, who purportedly obtained communications between top officials of the social media company in the wake of the post's October 2020 story on the president's son's computer. The decision, quote, was made at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey, with former head of legal policy and trust, Vajaya Gadi, playing a key role. Taibbi wrote, after reviewing internal company communications, he dubbed the Twitter files. Gotti had been long derided by conservatives as the company's chief censor. New Twitter owner, owner and, Elon, and CEO Elon Musk has criticized her in the past. 
accusing her of blocking the Post's story even before Friday's revelations. She was reportedly the main force behind the decision to permanently ban then-sitting President Donald Trump from the platform on January after January, the January party. The 48-year-old Vijaya Gotti, who earned $17 million a year at the company last year, uh, last year, broke down in tears in April when addressing colleagues about the future of Twitter once Musk moved to take over the company. Now we know why she was crying, don't we? Now we know exactly why she was crying. Isn't that curious? She knew the thing, in my opinion, she knew the things that were going to be revealed. She knew the things that were going to be revealed after he took over. And I think that's why she was crying. I think she, was gonna, she thought she was going to stay there forever. And her nefarious actions behind the scenes were going to be obfuscated from public view forever because she was drunk on power. She was literally single-handedly tipping the scales, in, the, in my opinion, in the election conversation in this country. She was certainly tipping the scales individuals of individuals who are allowed to be amplified. Republican Surrey, uh, Senator Josh Hawley pointed out on Twitter at the time that a tearful Gotti was, quote, the same one who led the charge to censor the computer reporting says it all. Laura Cohen Twitter's then-head of Global Partners responded to the flood of online criticism against Vijaya Gotti by accusing Elon Musk of, of course, misogyny. During her tenure, Gotti also reportedly presided over decisions to ban other right-wing figures from Twitter, such as Milo Yiannopoulos and Chuck, Charles Chuck Johnson. Again, right-wingers bang for action now against ex-Twitter executive Vijaya Gotti after internal emails reveal Democrat sway. This was after the first Twitter files, and it got way back, way worse last night, way more uh, hard evidence. You can see the right wing saw it as Twitter's previous leadership censoring a legitimate story and scandalous one at that to favor Democrats. A conclusion Elon Musk and Matt Taibbi appear to back. The decision to... Uh, can the story was made at the highest levels of the company without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey with former head of legal policy and trust Vijaya Gotti playing a key role Taibbi said Kana too argues in his email to Gotti that the messenger or the platform should not be held accountable for publishing the materials unless they actively aided in being hacked and they, even the politician was said I say this as being a total Biden partisan and convinced he did not do anything wrong but you need to basically release the files. The story has now become more about censorship than the relatively innocuous emails that became a bigger deal than it would have been in the heat of presidential campaign, restricting the dissemination of newspaper articles. Um, uh, seems like it will invite more backlash than it will do good. Kana wrote, you know, you have a you know, Gotti has long been a lightning rod for the fringe right wing who believes she was instrumental in shutting down conservative pro-Trump voices on Twitter. We know that's true, including initiating the lifetime ban for former President Trump. She has also triggered outrage in India during her visit, during a visit by Twitter founder Jack Dorsey when some blamed him for holding up a placard that read, Smash Bahim Brahman Patriarchy. Gotti had subsequently apologized for the incident, saying it was not reflective of Twitter views and it was meant to be a private photo 
with a gift just given during the visiting delegation. Migrating to the United States as a three-year-old, Gotti grew up in Beaumont, Texas, a ruby-red district replit with racism. Okay. Do you know that? No. Again, secret Twitter group of Vijaya and Parag made decisions. What I'm, the reason this is important is because this is Vijaya Gotti freewheeling and, and making policy decisions on the social media platform that some would argue might have swayed people's opinions on you know, potential political candidates. Of course, we know they've denied it, denied it, denied it. But Vijaya, I think, is your best target other than Jack Dorsey for some sort of you know, legal ramifications. Now, after last night, you see you know, breaking Twitter files released by Elon Musk. This is last night that Matt Taibbi and Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss have suggested that a secret group headed by Vijaya Gotti, the head of legal, Yol Roth, head of trust and safety, CEOs Jack Dorsey and Parag Argawal and others made decisions secretly without overview to moderate Twitter. Elon wrote, controversial decisions were often made without getting Jack's approval, and he was unaware of systemic bias. The inmates were running the asylum. Jack has a pure heart, in, in my opinion. Elon Musk is wrong here. I, I think that it's you know pretty clear to me that he can't read people, given how often he interacts with some people on Twitter. But you know, you have this situation where you know Twitter in the past was accused of the same issue, but persistently kept denying it. In 2018, Twitter's Vijaya Gotti and head of product Kayvon Bekpur said, "We do not shadow ban." I mean, is that? Do you think they went back and thought that they were super geniuses for that by saying, uh, you know, oh well. We actually don't shadow ban. We visibility uh, flex or whatever they call it. If you go back, this was episode 1258 with Tim Poole, which Tim did an excellent job, uh, in my opinion, on this. In episode 1258 with Jack Dorsey, Gotti, and Tim Poole, the UFC commentator discussed how Twitter had a liberal bias regarding its policies and rules. The conversation started with journalist Tim Poole pointing out the Megan Murphy ban from the platform. Further, he called... This is an instance of targeted harassment. Uh, to this, Vijaya Gotti replied that it depended on the context of the platform. Following this, the former Fear Factor uh, observed, quote, that is not in that context harassment. That is a very specific opinion that she has. In addition, he pointed out that Murphy's statement was biologically correct and not ideologically driven. Later on, the veteran podcaster suggested that the division between the two was not clear cut. We have a divide here. We have a divide between conservative estimation of what's happening and what the liberal definition of it is. While the American attorney agreed, she also detailed Twitter's policies. Subsequently, Tim Poole pointed out that in, ideolo- that in ideological involvement arguments on Twitter, Twitter chose to ban one of those ideologies. Following this, Vijaya Gotti again explained that intricacies of policies, thus she cleared, uh, thus she cleared that repeated posting of one's flag content is also in violation. Despite this explanation, Rogan declared that it was a good example of how an ideologically based rule and later on called the policies hypocritical. I mean, if you just watch the interview, you'll see. It's absolutely like you pull your hair out because she is just lying right to these guys' faces. And you can see what gaslighting is like in real time because they're kind of like, what? 
And then even Jack Dorsey just kind of like sits there like all shell-shocked. It's really uncomfortable to watch. And next up today, Joe Biden, non-binary nuclear weirdo strikes again. Federal warrants issued as disturbing images drop. This might be the weirdest story, uh, maybe in a long time. I'll at least say that. For a very long time, this is a bizarre story. Your um, Joe Biden's nuclear official has now been, has now had a second federal warrant issued for stealing more luggage. And a bunch of their pictures have come out, pictures that I don't think I can even show you, um, being tied up and doing rope work and um, living like a dog or something like that. I, I don't know. Individuals, whatever they're into, you do you. I hope you live a happy life. I'm more concerned with all the felony theft that seems to happen from a very important Biden official who's also had their very suspect past uh, brought under question after all of this. Video brought to you by coffeebrandcoffee.com. Promo code thequartering will save. Get yourself something for Christmas. The guests coming over to your house. Support the channel. My company right here in the United States. Support and enjoy. Breaking, a felony warrant has been issued for Biden energy official Sam Britton for stealing luggage from Harry Reid International Airport. This is an addition to criminal charges he faces for a similar incident at the Minneapolis airport. Was he not getting paid enough money? Or is this some sort of thrill thing? I would suspect it's some sort of thrill thing, right? Like, you would think that he probably makes, or they, whatever, make probably enough money probably don't need to be stealing luggage. But you see, he should never have had clearance in the first place, complete failure of due diligence on the campaigns. Part, I think they were really happy to be able to say they had some non-binary person on their staff that wears lipstick and shaves his head. I think that that was far more interesting to them than it was uh, you know, having a sane person. This, by the way, breaking... Notorious thieving non-binary Biden official accused of lying about, quote, conversion therapy incident. Sam Britton, former now deputy assistant secretary for the spent fuel and waste disposition and influential activist against X conversion or against X gay conversion therapy. Once a shining star of the LGBTQ celebrity has found himself at the subject of intense scrutiny, and not just because he happened to get caught stealing expensive luggage twice that we know of. In a shocking display of journalism, LGBTQ Nation headlined, has Sam Britton's story always been too good to be true? You know it's bad when the LGBTQ community turns on one of their own. The article notes that support from many LGBTQ activists, organizations saying these organizations, such as the Trevor Project, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, ignore clear warning signs and incontrovertible evidence because Britton proved these groups with provided this group with seemingly perfect ex-gay survivor story to expose terrible th conversion therapy practices and ideology. The warning signs, it seems, involve clear evidence Britain was lying, fabricating his entire story all along. Oh, pup play, nice. Biden's pup play nuke official charged with another felony theft. Before a stunning promotion to such a vital role this government, I don't know if that's a super vital role or not, 
Britain was best known for launching the campaign with the Trevor Project to ban conversion therapy across the country called 50 Bills, 50 States. He boasted, we passed more than 20 laws ending conversion therapy, protecting future generations from having to go through what I went through. You know what's interesting about conversion therapy, which is bad, okay? It's like the polar, it's the other side of the coin to all this grooming stuff you see on libs of TikTok and stuff, right? Both just as bad. You know, one trying to deprogram people and another now trying to program them. The 35-year-old claimed that around 11, they came out as bi, ooh, bold, to their parents who, uh, was, who put their hands on him and put, sent him to the ER and put him through a two-year conversion therapy nightmare. LGBTQ Nation notes, Britain alleges this practitioner used aversion therapy, which included sessions in which they did terrible things with extreme heat, ice, needles, things like that. He also claimed that the therapist subjected him to spicy images and then zapped him. Mike Pence run it? He then stated this happened between 1999 and 2001. But as the author of the piece, Wayne Besson, who is an activist against conversion therapy, explains, Britain never produced any information to substantiate his claims. The author asked a simple question of who the therapist was and what facility did this occur in, arguing it was necessary First, to share Britain's story, we had to verify it was true. Second, Britain's testimony involved a horrible torture center where hideous things happened were presumably still occurring and they needed to take it down. If such a place existed, there is a moral imperative to rapidly identify it. I would agree with that. Instead of viewing the investigation as necessary, Besson faced backlash from members of the LGBTQ community demanding to know why he wasn't promoting, as he put it, such a powerful example of the harm caused by conversion therapy. With growing suspicion, after Britain finally answered Besson's inquiry, dismissing him by saying he simply didn't remember the name of the therapist, Besson reasoned to believe Britain, one would have to suspend reality and buy their explanation that they couldn't recall the name of the therapist that, for two years, I sat on a couch and endured emotional, painful sessions. Does this sound plausible? Or is Britain more concerned about keeping the story unverifiable? His investigation turned up zero evidence that conversion therapists of, in Orlando, Florida, as Britain claimed, and Britain's mother, who even uses her son's preferred pronouns, confirmed her son went there, but not for conversion therapy and argued she loves him dearly. His mother denied the claims of putting her hands on him and also other attempts. Britain never tells the same story twice. It seems claiming the therapist was in Florida, then had a long string of equally cruel therapists that sent for out-of-state treatments. When he spoke to the UN's committee against this type of thing, he was once again cited his experience, but this time he changed his story to detail his therapist was licensed. I mean, it's this is what happens when you're more concerned with checking boxes and then getting the right person for the job. By the way, none of this has to do with him being non-binary. Just seems like a garbage uh, actions of somebody, right? Somebody who's a kleptomaniac, somebody who likes to... Uh, t I can't even show you these images, but... Let's just see one of the top replies is somebody pouring Tabasco in their eye, okay? A meme image of that. Uh, I guess you can go find them on libs of TikTok if you want to see it. But National Review now charged with a second felony. Sam Britton, a non-binary nuclear waste official in the Biden administration, is once again facing charges for attempting to steal luggage from an airport, raising doubts about Britain's insistence that the first incident was just a mix-up. Anybody who believed that, I've got a bridge to sell you or some sweet swampland. Britain, the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition at 
uh, Department of Energy's office, Nuclear Energy, stole luggage from Harry Reid Airport in Las Vegas, Nevada, on an unknown date. There is a federal warrant out for Britain's arrest on grand larceny charges now for stealing property between $1,200 and $5,000. The Biden administration official, whose appointment was widely touted as a historic accomplishment for the LGBTQ community, was placed on leave in November after being charged with stealing luggage from Minneapolis. In that very incident, Britain grabbed nearly a woman's, a woman's Vera Bradley suitcase. Is that, ex- I don't know, is that expensive? Uh, sounds like something you get at Kohl's. Worth $2,300 with the contents from baggage claim. I mean, you could have digital cameras and stuff like that in there. Britain claimed innocence. We obviously knew that. A group of 16 Republicans demanded Britain leave his post or be fired. We implore you to set aside petty politics and appoint only the most qualified and dedicated individuals to influence America's energy sector. Please. Please. Now he's facing, uh, could be five years in prison and or a $10,000 fine. Of course, he's not going to get prison time. Um, but it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, sometimes you look at somebody and there's more than meets the eye. Sometimes you look at somebody and you're like, you know what? Maybe, you know, if I'm going to put you in charge of, you know, nuclear stuff, uh, I'm going to maybe, maybe look a little deeper into your past because his past is right out there. He plays as a puppy with like a puppy mask on. He's in all these images of like tying people up and all this like weird stuff that he puts out on the internet. He's not ashamed of it. I, I'm not saying he should be necessarily, but it is kind of a red flag for somebody who's got such a high level position to be out there doing these things. And then of course the luggage theft, I don't know if that's some sort of kink or what the situation is, but this story keeps getting weirder. And I would predict that it will get even weirder than this. I suspect we've only scratched the tip of the iceberg. There's probably more luggage missing across the planet, uh, across uh, all their travels and uh, even more interesting pictures coming out online. Great nomination, Joe Biden administration. You really checked some boxes there. And next up, Elon Musk drops new bombshell about Trump's Twitter ban and confirms FBI and DHS involved. This is huge. Lots to talk about today, including there will be more Twitter leaks or drops or receipts or files or whatever today. I don't actually know what time they're going to come out because this is how these journalists are doing it. But I will uh, try to be live around three o'clock in the afternoon just to keep an eye on it and recap everything. If we miss it, if, if I can't stay out live long enough before they come out, well, I tried my best. But last night, we got some very interesting uh, receipts around the Donald Trump removal from Twitter. In fact, what's really interesting about this is, you know, it was hit or miss. The thread was not all bangers, but there were enormous amounts of very important conversations. Basically, Twitter saying in many cases, hey, there's not an excuse to actually ban them, but how can we actually ban them? Um, and the cope from the left has been absolutely wild. Uh, the fact that they're pretending like this is a nothing burger, uh, I suppose is had would have been predictable for some people. But for me... Um, you know, if it were Joe Biden and it happened to him or Obama and it happened to him, this would be front page news on every website. And I don't think that any anybody could disagree with that. But that's why you're watching me. 
and I appreciate that. There's a subscribe button down below so you don't miss a single thing. Please click that now. I'm not going to read the entire thread. I'm just going to focus on the most important ones. So Taibbi released some stuff about Trump getting banned. He then says the first installment covers the period before the election through J6. That's what we covered last night. Tomorrow, um, Shellen uh, will be releasing a second part that will detail the chaos inside Twitter the day after. Then on Sunday, Barry Weiss will reveal the secret internal communications from the key date of January 8th when the ban happened. Whatever your opinion is of the decision to remove Trump that day, the internal communications at Twitter, J6 through J8, have a historical import. Even Twitter's employees understood that moment was a landmark moment in freedom of speech. They said, is this the first sitting head of state to ever be suspended? Um, It's funny that they call him the head of state and not the president. But as soon as they finished banning Trump, Twitter executives started processing new power. They prepared to ban future presidents and White Houses, even perhaps Joe Biden. The new administration, says one exec, will not be suspended by Twitter unless absolutely necessary. Interesting, right? Twitter executives removed Trump in part over what one executive called the context surrounding actions by Trump and supporters over the course of the election and frankly the last four years. In the end, they looked at a broad picture, but that cuts both ways, meaning there was no one real bannable offense. They were just saying, hey, you know, we don't like what he's been tweeting over a period of time, so we're going to do it. The bulk of the internal debate leading to Trump's ban took place in those three January days. Before J6, Twitter was unique mixed of, of rules-based enforcement and more subjective moderation by senior execs, as Barry Weiss reported. The firm had a vast array of tools for manipulating visibility, most of all were thrown at Trump, most of all of which were thrown at Trump and others pre-J6. Now, after the day, after J6, internal slacks show how Twitter executives getting a kick out of intensified relationships with federal agencies. Here, trust and safety head Yoel Roth lamented a lack of generic enough calendar descriptions to conceal his, quote, very interesting, his very interesting meetings with the FBI, DHS, and others. He talks here, very boring business meetings that definitely not about Trump. Pretty much, definitely not meeting with the FBI, I swear. These, these kids, essentially, were drunk with power. And the, the idea that they could, you know, ban the sitting president made them very excited. Very excited. And you have one particular Slack channel offers a unique window into the evolving thinking of top officials at 2021. Now, this is less exciting. I'm going to skip over this. The latter group... This is what's funny. So they post a Trump tweet in here saying, breaking news, 50,000 voters getting wrong absentee ballots out of control. Um, And then he calls the election rigged, which is a trigger word, really. Inside Slack, they lamented that it was actually true. 
a rigged election would be enough to be a violation, right? Like they're all excited. Can we ban him? Can we ban him? Can we ban him? Yoel Roth says, if the claim were in fact inaccurate, yes, but it looks like it's true. So they're like, no, what he said was true and we can't ban him. This is a travesty. During this time, executives were also clearly, clearly liaisoning with federal enforcement and intelligence agencies about moderation of election-related content. While we're still at the start of reviewing the Twitter files, we're finding out more and more about these interactions every single day. Policy director Nick Pickles was asked if they should say Twitter detects, quote, misinformation through ML, human review, and partnerships with its outside experts. The employee asks, I know that's been a slippery process. Not sure if you want to public explanation to hang on that. Essentially, what they're saying uh, is, you know, the FBI is telling them what to do. Nick Pickles writes, can we just say partnerships? Like they're, they're hoping to obfuscate the fact that they're working with federal uh, law enforcement. Example, not sure if we describe the FBI, DHS as experts or some NGOs that aren't academic. That's who they're working with. The FBI, Department of Homeland Security, NGOs. That's who is telling them what to remove from the platform in, in, like, in plain text. You see, FML Weekly Sync with the FBI, DHS, DNI, re-election security. This meeting happened about 15 minutes after the aforementioned hacked materials implosion. The government declined to share anything useful when asked. Monthly meeting with FBI briefed on several ongoing investigations. Essentially, the FBI seemed to be using Twitter as its own uh, information uh, pipeline, deciding what is and what isn't okay to be on the platform. Roth later, um, some of Roth's later slacks indicated his company confabs with federal law enforcement involved separate meetings. Here, he ghosts the FBI and DHS respectively to go to an Aspen Institute thing then take a call with Apple. I mean, isn't it interesting how, like, this dude, just one dude, is interfacing with everything, everybody. it's, it's, It's insane to me. Like, I don't even understand how this is not an absolute monster deal. Oh, yeah, and somebody said I should be using page down, and they're right. It's smoother. Um, I'm getting better. You guys are making me a better streamer and video personer. So Nick Pickles is up to some shenanigans, absolutely, right? This post about the laptop situation shows that Roth not only met with the FBI and DHS, but with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. I mean, this is insane. Insane. The FBI's second report concerned this tweet. So the FBI was making direct reports. Here the FBI sends reports about a pair of tweets. The second, which involved, don't worry about the dog whining. They're in the office with me, but there's someone outside the door, so they're, they're having a little bit of a melty. Um, the second, of which involves a former Tippecanoe County, Indiana counselor and Republican claiming that between X and X were rejected for errors. So the FBI, we just got a report from the FBI concerning two tweets. Why is the FBI 
worried about individual citizens tweeting information. Isn't that interesting? The FBI flagged the tweet, then it got circulated on enforcement Slack. Twitter cited PolitiFact to say that the first story was proven to be false, then noted the second was already deemed no vio, no viability, I think that means, on numerous occasions. So the FBI is working directly with them to have content removed from the platform. And you even see, you know, Trump himself reacts to this, speaking directly to Elon, saying, Elon, the Twitter, re uh, the Twitter releases are a revelation in, they, in that they show a very powerful, in a very powerful fashion, the FBI and justice illegally colluding, proving conclusively in one more very powerful way that the presidential election was, of course, he uses his rigged and, 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 and whatever. I can't, I don't know if I can even say that on YouTube. What re everyone is really waiting to see, however, is the Twitter information and thought processes leading up to the time of the so-called, quote, election, and ultimately the deplatforming of the President of the United States. Big moment in history. Thank you. And Elon replies, including Donald Trump, saying, coming soon, because that's going to come today, as far as, as, far as we know. So it, it, it's, it's shocking to me that this isn't on every single news outlet. That's why these YouTube videos are so important. New Twitter files dump reveals frenzied conversations before Trump was banned. How head of safety Yoel Roth met weekly with the FBI and agency flagged election content for moderation. But what they're really saying is you need to ban this. You need to remove this. The Daily Mail and like right-leaning websites are the only people actually covering this. They're the only people covering this, covering this story, which is uh, absolute insanity to me. I just, I don't get how more people aren't like just mind blown. You even have like, so the, so the left has had some basically terrible takes on this, right? You have like Scott Adams too. Like, look at this. Have the Twitter files revealed any bad intentions within Twitter? Bro, did you even read it? Scott Adams? Have you even read them? Of course they are. They're like, lamenting the fact that they can't ban uh, certain people, that they, they were really like, hey, how can we, oh, well, it doesn't actually violate policy, but can we find a way, can we find a way to, to ban him anyway? Like, that's, that's what they're saying, which is insane to me. The absolute insanity. Scott, and to me, it looks like the employees suffered from narrative poisoning and believe they were making the country a better place. What? Based on what, bro? Like, literally based on what? I don't even understand. Have, did you read it? Six Hexenhammer says, to me, it looks like the government directly colluded with the supposedly private firm to interfere with several elections and promote state propaganda. And the employees wholeheartedly went along with it due to their own personal bias and malice. Oh, yeah, here's it. This is an L for you, Scott. I mean, what? Tom Fitton, that may be for the courts to decide. The materials released by Elon Musk are powerful evidence. Prior Twitter management gave false information to users 
public officials and agencies, Congress, shareholders, etc., about its content moderation policies and campaign intervention. President of Judicial Watch. And then they say Twitter files shows evidence they tried to limit harmful tweets in their opinion. Why would Twitter agree to call that shadow banning? You don't go to jail for defining a word differently. What? Why is Scott Adams simping for Twitter? I, I don't understand. Like seriously, why is Scott Adams simping for Twitter? It makes zero sense to me. This whole thing is weird. And of course the left is trying to define it like a nothing burger, but they're dead wrong too. And last up today, Elon Musk makes more Twitter staff quit. They're afraid of what the Twitter files will reveal. A bevy of uh, whiny trust and safety council members decided that they would get uh, one last grab of clout by quitting on uh, Twitter. Uh, only to out yet another very odd nepotistic employee, John Podesta. Remember John Podesta and the Podesta emails and all this kind of stuff? Well, his niece worked there. And guess what department? Trust and safety. Just like no big deal, small world, having Dr. Fauci's daughter. It's Podesta's niece, not daughter, sorry. It was Fauci's daughter that was also working there. And oh, no big deal. General counsel for the FBI who left in disgrace after letting his TDS ruin his career, also heading up trust and safety. It seems like trust and safety was a area to just put any old person, in particular ones with connections to Washington and put in people with CIA FBI connections. Yesterday, I reported on a, uh, a finding by Andy No that a ex-CIA, ex-FBI agent was in a leadership position in trust and safety. When this was publicly announced, they tried to change their name on LinkedIn so nobody could find them. Totally normal thing for someone to do, right? And then when that didn't work because Andy had archived it, he deleted it. Definitely not trying to hide anything there at all. So Ann Collier, Collier put this out, gets demolished, of course. Three of us resigned from Twitter's Trust and Safety Council today. Erlani and Leslie Podesta. Leslie Podesta values journalism, cares about politics, live sports, music, tr and a tragic feminist. And says they're funny. Social impact stuff. Team player LGBTQ. Isn't it funny? Well, it seems like there's a disproportionate amount of LGBTQ members at Twitter. Like just from society cross-section. But three of us have resigned and they put out this post. Again, all these people seemingly well-connected with people in Washington. We are announcing a resignation from Twitter's Trust and Safety Council because it's clear from research evidence that, contrary to the claims by Elon Musk, the safety and well-being of Twitter's users are on the decline. The question has been on our minds. Should Musk be allowed to define digital safety as he has no freedom of expression? 
Our answer is a categorical no. These people have EDS. These people have been members of Trust and Safety since its inception. In 2016, Erilani was the first female representative from Asia, don't care, and had served on the council uh, as it... Oh, <laughs> I forgot I have these notifications on for the live stream. Oops. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> um, so they uh, have members of Trust and Safety Council since inception, blah, blah, blah. We know that even after resignations and dismissals of thousands of employees, by the way, buy some coffee brand coffee, promo code the quartering saves today. You could, you just saw someone bought a gift box and some blueberry cobbler. It's going to be great. It will save your Christmas. It makes a great Christmas gift. And if you show up with uh, some hot cocoa and a, and a gallon of milk at your Christmas party, I promise you it'll be a huge hit. We know that even after the resignations and dismissals of thousands of employees, there are people working at Twitter who care about reducing hate speech and protecting users on the platform. Okay, what happens to the very first reply? They get BTFO'd by Cernovich. They tried to say, oh, we were protecting kids, blah, 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 except you were not. Twitter refused to remove uh, CP because it didn't violate their terms of service. Like, that's hilarious. Oh, well, looks like a fun little spree of notifications there. Fun stuff. Um, it's a crime they refuse to take action on the stuff that targeted the most vulnerable people on Earth for years. Isn't that, isn't that curious? These people are stumping about how they protected kids, except they didn't. Because Twitter refused to remove these images because they didn't violate terms of service. Heidi Bryanis? Sorry, Heidi, I know we follow each other, but I don't know how to say your last name. So you did nothing about CSC. And that's, that's the exploitation stuff. And now that something's being done, you're mad because the person didn't have the, quote, right qualifications to make those calls? Good riddance. You three were worse than useless. Agreed. Nobody gives a frick. You weren't doing a very good job. Here's a, <laughs> Should have ref refused to remove CP because it didn't violate policies. Lawsuit. They were sued over it by the people who were unfortunately pictured in those images. Libs of TikTok. Okay, goodbye. I wonder if that Podesta is any relation to a Podesta we all know should probably be investigated on related matters. Yes, it is. Donut operator, good riddance. Luke Rudkowski, is it because he's finally going after it? Boy, isn't that what it looks like? It's like, oh, he's finally going after this stuff, so uh, now we're going to quit? That seems odd, right? Nicholas Fortacaro says, you were all proven to be untrustworthy, known blum, shame to lose such an ideological diverse, ideologically diverse bunch. Just no, I mean, learn to code. I mean, it's, it's, it's hilarious to me that these people keep thinking that they're the ones, that they're the ones that are saving the country. Brutal, 22,000 comments to 21,000 likes. Was it worth it? Seems like all these people are so well paid. And it doesn't matter. You have this moron Keith Olbermann. 
It's time for Senate hearings into what scheme Elon Musk is up to, what foreign influence is involved, and what could be done to remove this public medium from his malign control. Seems like, here's Alex, shout out to Alex, follow Alex if you don't. Keith, if you're so triggered by what Elon is saying, maybe you should unfollow him, mute him, or block him. It's really not that difficult, and it's easier than having Senate hearings for all of them to tell you to do the same thing. I mean, the, the fact that you see here, Sour Patch Lids, <laughs> shut, FYI, Leslie Podesta resigning as listed in the tweet from Twitter is John Podesta's niece, Democrat Deputy Chief of Staff. Elon Musk, small world. That's the exact same thing he said about um, Fauci's daughter. Isn't that interesting? All these people ended up working at Twitter. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, right? A member of Twitter's Truft and Safety Council explains why she got fed up and quit. It's a, been a horrible day for me, speaking with me on the phone just hours after resigning from an advisory role she'd held, for, she'd held at Twitter for seven years. This was a very tough decision to make. The cuts and sweeping changes Elon Musk has made at Twitter since taking over have led to a small but important corner of the social network to make some changes of its own. Abdul Rahman, 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 I don't know, Rahman, it's probably not how it's pronounced. And two other members of the company's Trust and Safety Council quit on Thursday, aligning a legend that Twitter's new leadership has shut it out. That's actually not true. We saw a tweet yesterday where Elon called out specifically somebody who he tagged somebody when he was calling out. I don't know if you caught this, but when Elon, when, when uh, Jack tried to pretend when Jack tried to pretend that he was working on them, like he was working, here's Ella Irwin, right? I wish this was false, but it, so here uh, Elon says, Jack says, Cernover uh, says you all belong in jail. Jack says this is false, saying that they failed to take action. And uh, <laughs> Ella Irwin, who is the person in charge, says, I wish this was false, but in my experience this year supports this. I fought hard to get funding to replace the people who who were working on this, who left in early 2022 and was told no. At one point, there were zero engineers and very few employees working on protecting kids and still no funding. Elon Musk says, correct. Just completely BTFO'd. Completely. And Jack says, at what point was that? What do you mean at what point was that? Like, do, you don't even know? Were you not paying attention inside your own company? Here's Alex. Just take the L, man. It's pretty clear that employees at Twitter's, Twitter prioritized actioning political content and suspending users for their views over removing illegal content. The details in this thread are inexcusable. How the old Twitter failed against the fight against CSE, content, Psy, and more. I mean, while I'm working as an independent researcher alongside Twitter's trust and safety team led by Ella Irwin and passionate managers like Jared Doherty, I want to share some information and updates for you all. So here we go. Twitter is continuing its operations against account that published, accounts that published terrible things. As I said, Twitter focused on Spanish-speaking and Portuguese-speaking users in the past days, reduced over 90% of the impact of these malicious accounts that used particular keywords and hashtags. Furthermore, Twitter is working uh, on the following, a report from Elizabeth Blue. Uh, Eliza Blue, sorry, will make it easier. Um, you know, and, and goes all the way through and says, Elon is constantly updated. 
Hey, chocolate covered beans. There you go. Uh, update about the progress two days ago. He authorized additional measures to fight this kind of thing. Old management had other priorities, but for new Twitter, children's safety is number one. He also roasted, Elon also roasted the other guy that used to be in charge of it for spending millions of dollars on buying Golden State Warrior tickets as opposed to, you know, paying attention to fighting this kind of stuff on Twitter. Like, it, it, these people are all gross. And it's like the left-wing media that keeps saying that, oh, this is a total nothing burger, it's even worse. Like, it's literally even worse. It, it's, it's frustrating to me. You can see at the same time, Ned, who's, who's a CEO, was spending millions of dollars on Golden State Warrior seats. Those are, that's a basketball team. Super messed up priorities. Like, Elon is not having any problem calling these people out. The media, they can continue to ignore it all they want. I'll be right here covering it. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe. And if you are subscribed, make sure you have notifications on, set to all videos or all notifications or whatever. We'll be live streaming a little bit later this afternoon, uh, covering any if there's any new potential leaks. We know there will be. It's just a matter of what, if I'll be around when they drop. I'm going to try to, but at some point, I can't work every day of the week. I hope you enjoyed this video. We'll talk to you again real soon.